Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts, which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. If you address as Father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you are not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Greetings to everyone all over the world. And a special greeting to all the mothers. Happy Mother's Day. Today, I've invited the most amazing mother, the mother of my five children, to read a poem she wrote for all mothers. Let's welcome Diana. A mother gives of her best to her children so dear, loves them at all times, even through tears, thinks not of herself, but of their well-being and health, teaches them to trust and obey the Lord, to pray and faithfully study His Word, mentors and motivates them to always excel, not only in academics, but in character as well. A mother trains her children in all social graces to relate with people of all races and places, to have a heart not to take, but to give, to love and if wrong, to readily forgive, to treat others as they would like to be treated, to honor and respect another even when aggravated, to stand alone against peer pressure for what is good, to please the Lord in all that they think, say, and do. A mother, most of all, models what she desires her children to be because after all is said and done, a child becomes what they see. Happy Mother's Day to all of you amazing moms. God bless. Once again, from the bottom of my heart, I praise God for all of you mothers. Somebody once said, the influence of a mother to her children is beyond calculation. Today, I'd like to dedicate this message to all mothers. Of course, not just to mothers, to everybody, but especially to mothers. How do you navigate through difficult times, tough times? The reality is sooner or later, you and I will encounter tough times. And during tough times, do we become victims or do we become victors? During tough times, are we able to transcend or do we become discouraged? Do we become disillusioned? Or are we able to experience real joy, real victory? Last Sunday, we began our series on the book of First Peter. Why? Because the book of First Peter was written to encourage believers scattered all over Asia Minor. They were facing tough times. And Peter wanted to help them, to encourage them. 
Last Sunday, we talked about in tough times. What must we do? Live in hope. Living hope brings joy. Today, we will continue the episode two of navigating through tough times. We will talk about in tough times. Living hope transforms. It not only brings joy, it transforms. What do I mean? Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Before I explain this verse, I'd like you to notice something. The word therefore. Every time you see the word therefore, you need to look at the previous verses. Why is therefore there? In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, he talks about, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who caused us to be born again to a living hope. In other words, because God has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, this living hope is real based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what does this living hope do for you? He tells us to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God. He reminds us, you can have living hope because you are sure to receive an amazing inheritance. Inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, will not fade away, and above all, reserved for you, and you are protected by God. And because of this certainty, because of this living hope, he further wrote the following, In this you greatly rejoice. In other words, because of this living hope, you can rejoice even when you encounter trials, difficulties. That's what he said. You greatly rejoice even though for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. The emphasis is you can greatly rejoice even though you're in the midst of trials. And he continues. So the verses before 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 are as follows. He tells us, because of the certainty of this living hope, as to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. What Peter is saying, our living hope, the certainty of our salvation is something that the Old Testament talk about. Peter is saying it is not something new. Peter is saying it was prophesied. In other words, our living hope, our salvation was prophesied in the Old Testament. It is not something we invented. Secondly, our living hope is anchored on a person. It's about the Messiah. He talks about the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. Here you see our living hope, our salvation is anchored on not just the Old Testament prophecy, it's about a person, his sufferings and his glory. And many times people separate the two. You cannot separate the amazing prophecy of the Messiah. Suffering and glories to follow. He talks about the death of Christ on the cross and his resurrection, the glories to follow. He continues by telling us, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. I want you to notice the following. Our salvation is not just predicted in the Old Testament. Our salvation 
it's not just prophesied about a coming Messiah that will suffer and that will be glorious, but above all, our salvation is contained in the good news, the gospel, and the Holy Spirit is involved. The Holy Spirit is always at work. In the Old Testament, talks about the Spirit of Christ. Now he talks about the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things in which angels long to look. I want to emphasize this salvation is so glorious, so amazing, that angels long to look. What in the world does this mean? That our salvation is something that angels are so curious. Most people have not understood the importance of our salvation. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, this is what it says, So that the manifold wisdom of God, notice our salvation has to do with the wisdom of God, might be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus. What the Bible is saying is simply this. Our salvation is not just for us who are living on planet Earth. Our salvation has cosmic dimension. It is to demonstrate the wisdom of God to, notice the wisdom of God, through the church, through us, to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. In other words, our salvation and how we respond to our salvation is being watched by angelic beings. It's being watched by rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. That is how precious our salvation is, how majestic, how awesome, how grand is our salvation. Because of this, the next verse tells us what must you do. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Now, do you understand? Because our salvation is so amazing, the living hope, therefore, what must you do? Living hope is not just wishing. It is not just wishful thinking. It is something so real that it will compel actions. And that's why the topic today is living hope transforms. Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This verse has three action words. It begins with the mind. Prepare your minds for action. Next, keep sober in spirit. And lastly, fix your hope completely. Why do we begin in the mind? Let me tell you why the mind is so crucial. The Bible tells us, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The mind is foundational. Right thinking will produce the right kind of emotions and it will produce the right kind of actions. Do you recall the T principle? To live a transformed life, you must begin with right thinking. And Peter is saying, I want you to think clearly. He's saying, let all your mind be focused on this clear thinking. And then he followed up with another action word. Be sober in spirit. Don't get drunk. Don't have fussy thinking. Christianity is a faith that requires thinking. It is not blind faith. In fact, the Bible tells us you need to think. What you think is so crucial. Wrong thinking, wrong behavior. What do I mean? Let me give you an example of right thinking versus wrong thinking. Many times, we don't process things clearly. Let's say you have COVID-19 virus. And you see a doctor. And the doctor tells you, you take this medicine and you will surely be cured. And you nod your head, you say, yes, I believe. But then, when you leave the doctor, you don't take the medicine. 
That is the meaning. You are not thinking clearly. Because to think clearly, to really believe that the medicine will cure you, will require action. And that's what Peter is saying. You think clearly of the reality of God's promises, the living hope, the certainty of His coming again. Fix your hope completely on the grace. You got to fix your hope completely. And if you really believe that Jesus is coming again, if you really believe He promised us amazing inheritance, the Bible is saying, if you really believe about the hope that He promised us, living hope, what must you do? You must fix, notice the word again, fix your hope. Fix your hope. The living hope. Completely, not partially, on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, at the coming of Jesus. And notice what is that hope? It's anchored on Jesus. It's anchored on grace. On the grace to be revealed. The word grace means what? Something you don't deserve. The word grace means what? Undeserved favor. The word grace is a precious word. God is saying when He comes again, the highlight of His coming, fix your hope completely on the grace. God's grace will be fully manifested. And it's not about you. It's about His grace for you and for me to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is coming again. And if you really believe in that, you are going to act differently. What do I mean? How will right thinking impact your behavior? Look at what the Bible says. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. In these verses, you now have two verbs. The first one is, do not be conformed. In other words, because you are fixing your hope completely on the second coming of Jesus, your mind is very clear. You're able to think of eternal perspective. And that is so true. He now tells you, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. Do not copy the world. Their behavior is out of ignorance. He wants you to be holy, for God is holy. This is dependent on the reality. That what God tells us is something that's going to be worthwhile. So how will this living hope transform your life? It will transform your life because of your mindset. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy. God is telling us, if you really believe He's coming soon, He's coming again, then you will want to do what is pleasing to Him. And He tells us, the verb in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 to 16, the command, the primary verb is be holy. Do not be conformed is supporting the primary verb, be holy. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, the Bible says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You will notice, do not be conformed. Don't copy. That's a command. Don't copy the behavior of the world. The grammar is exactly the same as 1 Peter. Stop copying the behavior of the world. Don't copy. What do I mean? Many times, Christians are not conscious. You are not even aware that you are copying the behavior of the world. Let me give you an example. Young people used to say, everyone is doing it. And because everyone is doing it, it must be okay. 
take the example of premarital sex. I was shocked to discover that based on the survey done by George Barna in the States, premarital sex among churchgoers is just as high as people who don't go to church. There's no difference. The divorce rate among people who go to church and those who don't go to church are also almost the same. In fact, those who go to church are even worse. Why? Because people who don't go to church, they don't get married anymore. So probably the divorce rate seems to be lower. But the truth is this. We are consciously and consciously copying the behavior of the world. Our values have become worldly. And that's what he's saying. If you are so sure of the coming of Jesus, our amazing living hope, live a transformed lives. And how do we live a transformed lives? He tells us, you shall be holy for I am holy. Do you notice the instruction is so clear. Like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior. People today don't like to talk about being holy because for them, the word holy gives them negative ideas. For many people, to be holy means what? I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't take drugs. I don't have premarital sex. Friends, these are all negatives. The word holy is more than just saying, I don't do this. The word holy is a big word. It is not just, I don't do this, I don't do that, but your life is set apart. You are devoted to the Lord. So when people often ask me, how much time should I serve the Lord? When people ask me, how much money should I tithe, should I give? I realize these people have not understood the meaning of the word holy. You see the word holy, when applied to object, to things, it means it is set apart for God. So the Bible talks about the tithe is holy. That belongs to the Lord. The Bible talks about our body is holy. It means it belongs to the Lord. So when people ask you, how much time should I give to the Lord? How much money should I give? They're thinking all the minimum. But my friend, holy means what? To be totally devoted, to be totally consecrated, be holy. You are to be set apart. Because when the Bible says God is holy, that word holy means what? God is set apart by himself. He's unlike any human being. He's unlike any of his creation. It's the superlative of all attributes. That word holy simply means what? The Bible talks about God is light. There's no darkness, absolute purity. There's no equal. God is apart from creation. When the Bible talks about God is holy, it gives us the greatest comfort. What do I mean? Somebody once said, power is God's arm. Omniscience is God's eyes. Love is God's heart. Holiness is God's beauty. What is he saying? The word holy, the absolute goodness of God is our comfort. When the Bible says God is holy, you can take comfort because his power is holy. God is holy in his wisdom. God is holy in his love. That word holy will now clarify everything about God. You can rest assured. And that's why if you are not able to trust God, that means you have not understood the holiness of God. The holiness of God gives me tremendous comfort that I will trust him. I will do what he says because God is absolutely good. But when the Bible talks about you and I must be holy, it's talking about we must be like him. Do you know this? God never commands his children, be almighty like me. Be omniscient like me. No. The command is, be holy for I am holy. What does that mean? That means God wants us to be holy 
you and I are capable of being holy because God will never command you to do something you cannot. And God wants you to be holy. And God wants us to be holy. And we must be holy. You see, the word holiness is no longer emphasized today because we fail to understand the beauty and the significance of transformation. Transformation means to live a holy life. A holy life means what? A separated life for God. Holiness does not mean God is a cosmic killjoy. You see, for many people, the word holy means what? Everything is negative. You cannot drink. You cannot have fun in life. Everything is negative. No, no, no. My God is holy. He only wants what's best for me. Therefore, whatever He tells me to do, I like to do it. Why? Because I know Him. I delight to follow Him. So when the Bible uses the word, be holy, don't be confused. Because the word holy is a big word. Literally, as I've said before, it is to live a life set apart for God. On the other hand, the word holy can also mean sanctification. The same root word, hagiasmos. Now, the Bible talks about two kinds of holiness. The first kind is positional holiness, meaning your sins have been completely forgiven. You are holy in the eyes of God. The other word, holy, has to do with practical holiness. It is called progressive sanctification. It has to do with your behavior, your action. 1 Peter chapter 1 is referring to progressive sanctification. Peter said, be holy in all your behavior. So, let me explain in a simple chart so that you won't be confused. When the Bible says, living hope, transform lives, it will transform you. That transformation has to do with living a holy life. And what does that mean? Well, let me show you this chart. Positional holiness, positional sanctification versus progressive sanctification. The word sanctification is also the root word for holy, hagiasmos. Positionally, justification. It's a theological term. Legally, before God, you are completely forgiven, as if you have never committed any sin. Progressive sanctification is practical holiness. Are you behaving based on who you are? Is your behavior Christ-like? Positional sanctification is a decisive moment. The day you realize Jesus Christ died on the cross by faith, you commit your life to Him. At that moment, the Bible says, you are a child of God. You are completely forgiven. Versus progressive sanctification. It is a continuous work of God. It's continuous. Positional sanctification. It's the finished work of Christ. It's all about what He did on the cross. He paid for your sins. What about progressive sanctification? It is God's work and man's work. You need to cooperate with Him. The objective is towards Christ's likeness. You see, when I came to Christ, my sins have been forgiven. However, I have certain bad habits. And now I'm in the process of being transformed by the Lord. And that's why God allows pain. He allows pressure. He allows difficulties to transform our lives. Positional sanctification deals with the forgiveness of sin once and for all. Progressive sanctification deals with what? Overcoming the power of sin. This is a lifetime journey so that you and I can become more and more Christ-like. And what is First Peter talking about? Like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior. He's talking about progressive holiness, progressive sanctification. 
Because it is written, you shall be holy, I am holy. This is a command. This is not a suggestion. You are to be holy. It means God wants us to be holy. It means you are able to be holy. God will never give us a command that we cannot do. Can I tell you why? Because He gives you the Holy Spirit. He gives you the power to live in such a way that you become more and more Christ-like. Why should you be transformed? He tells us in 1 Peter 1.17, If you address the Father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth. The reason why we are to be transformed is very simple. Because you realize that Jesus, God, is going to judge us. If you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay. Peter is repeating what the Apostle Paul wrote in Corinthians. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Why? Because all of us will give an account. Many Christians are not taught the reality that God is the judge and that the reality that someday you will stand before him. So my friend, what is Peter saying? Be live a transformed life. Why? Not only because of the certainty of his grace, his coming, but God is going to be our judge. And this truth should encourage us. It should not cause fear. Because if you are fully aware that God is going to be the judge, you will find comfort in doing what is good. You will be excited to look forward to the coming of Jesus. But if you refuse to follow the commands of God, then you have every right to be afraid. What kind of a God is God that will tolerate evil? What kind of a judge will that be if a judge is indifferent towards sin? What kind of judge that will overlook wickedness? I praise God. The Bible says God is holy and is a holy judge. You begin to realize now in tough times, living hope will transform. Living hope transforms. You know why? You know that whatever you do for Jesus will be rewarded because God is holy. God is our judge. God says whatever good you have done will not be forgotten. And you don't have to be afraid because God is a good judge. He wants to reward us. How can I be sure? Look at the next sentence. It talks about you and I have been redeemed completely. Knowing you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life, inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as well lamb, unblemished, spotless, the blood of Christ. The reason why you have living hope that transforms is very simple. Do you know why you would want to be transformed? You want to live a holy life? Because you know how precious are you. You were redeemed. Knowing you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your fathers, but with the precious blood of a lamb unblemished and spotless. The Bible tells us your redemption is so costly. God Redeem us. That, that word redeem is a very important word. It has to do with God bought us back from the slavery, from the slave market of sin. So the word redeem, in Tagalog, tinibus tayo. The bankers will understand this. When you redeem a piece of property, you are buying it back. Now, the Bible tells us you are so precious that gold and silver was not paid for you. It is something more precious than gold and silver. It has to do with the precious blood of Jesus. Will you notice those expressions? Precious blood, unblemished, spotless. This is a picture of the Old 
Testament, how they sacrifice animals that is unblemished, that is spotless. Why? The Old Testament is always a foreshadow of the New Testament. Why should the Old Testament animals be spotless? Because it is, it is a picture of what Jesus will do for us. So my friend, I'd like you to know something. You are so valuable. You are so precious that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Once you understand this with a clear mind, how precious is your redemption, you will guard your life, you will live your life in a different way. Let me give you an example. Many years ago, somebody gave me this amazing ball pen. This is called Mont Blanc. You can see the insignia here. When I check the price of this amazing Mont Blanc pen, it is so expensive. I realized my friend invested money to give this to me as a gift. It is so precious, believe it or not, I have not lost this pen, even though it's already 10 years. But I have lost so many other ball pens. You know why? Those other ball pens, they are not precious. They are cheap. I keep losing them. I keep misplacing them. But this one, my office will know. For 10 years, I still have it. You know why? It's precious. I guard it. The Bible is saying, your soul, your life is so precious. Because God redeemed you with his own blood. Therefore, live a transformed life. Be holy. Your salvation is so precious that the next verse tells us, Jesus, our Savior, was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but now has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Our salvation is all anchored on Jesus. Do you know how precious that is? Notice the word used. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world. In other words, Jesus died for us. Foreknown is from the word proginosko. God planned this long time ago, even before the foundation of the world, but now has appeared in these last times for the sake of you. Jesus came at the right time, but his plan to die for us was even determined long time ago, before creation. That is how special you are. Before the world was made, God thought of you, Jesus thought of you, and that's why the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, your faith and hope are in God. That's why you live a transformed life. What does it mean to be transformed? Transformation is the work of God in our hearts, but we must cooperate with Him. So, to be transformed means what? It tells you something you need to do also. It tells us you are to love. Notice, since you have obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is true, the living and abiding word of God. The Bible tells us, because of this living hope, because of the reality of Christ in us, because you realize that Jesus is coming again, and he's going to be our judge, and you realize your salvation is so precious. You want to live differently. You don't want to copy the ways of the world. And he tells us to be holy, to be transformed, is also active. You love one another. You are to love fervently. Notice, fervently love one another. To be holy is to be Christ-like. And to be Christ-like is to learn to love one another fervently. 
You know, I discovered some of the hardest people to love are family members. Why? It's easy to love strangers. It's easy to love people that you see once in a while. But to love people that you live with daily, you're always living together. My goodness, you need the Holy Spirit to help you. That's why it says fervently love one another. Notice the word is fervently. I'm teaching our grandchildren to love one another, to love their parents. Can I tell you how I teach them? I said, think of others. I tell them, serve them. When we're sitting down and somebody wants water, my advice is you serve them. Fervently love means what? You think of others. And that's the meaning of being transformed. You become Christ-like. You serve one another. But to be able to love one another, notice, no excuse. Why? Because you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. The Bible says the reason why you can be transformed, the reason why you can be holy, the reason why you can love one another is because you have been born again. You see, the foundation of the Christian life is a relationship with Jesus. The moment you are born again, notice the word born again is repeated. When Christ comes into your heart, you are given His life. The Holy Spirit gives you a new nature. That's the meaning of the word born again. Our nature dictates our appetite. It dictates how we live. For example, if you have a pig as a house pet, you can shampoo it, you can clean it, but the moment you allow the pig to go out of your house and it finds a mud hole, it will just wallow in the mud. You know why? It is the nature of the pig to enjoy the mud hole. However, if you have a ship and then you allow it to go outside the house, it is possible that the ship will fall into a mud hole, but you will notice the difference. When it falls into a mud hole, the ship will want to get out of the mud hole. The only way you can permanently transform a pig from enjoying mud hole is to change the heart of the pig, to change the nature of the pig. And that's why being born again is crucial. Once you have Jesus in your heart, he gives you a new nature. You begin to have a desire for God's Word. Remember, it's not perfection, but it's progressive. You begin to see changes in your life. You see, the Word of God is living. It has power. The Word of God is truth. It's enduring forever. And that's the implications of being born again. We are born again. When we have Jesus, He is called the living Word of God. The Word is living. God's Word is living. Jesus is also the living Word of God. In other words, you begin to understand when Jesus talks about heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Only Jesus can make that amazing claim. His words, what He says will come true. And that's how we are born again. Based on the promise of God, based on the promise of Jesus, if you ask Him to be your Lord and Savior, the Bible says you are born again. That's why Peter tells us, all flesh is like grass, all is glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flowers fall off, but the Word of God endures forever. And this is the Word we preach to you. Why can you live a transformed life? He tells us. Because of this living hope. Because your mind is now thinking clearly. You realize your hope is set completely on His second coming. Why should you live a transformed life? He tells you. Because God is our judge. God tells you. Your life, your redemption is so precious. That's why you live a transformed life because of what He did for us. Why should you live a transformed life? Because of 
God's Spirit at work in your heart. That's why He says, love one another. That's how you live a transformed life, by loving one another. And the reason why you can do it is because you are born again through the Word of God. You can now see how the Word of God and living a transformed life go together. Not only because you are born again. Notice as we finish in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. He tells us what is holiness. What is holiness? It's practical holiness. Putting aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. Do you notice? These are sins that people don't see. These are sins of the heart and sins of the tongue. Putting aside all malice. You know what is malice? When you are planning evil against somebody, sin of the heart, malice. All deceit. You're manipulative. You are planning purposely to fool people. These are sins of the heart. Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is a picture of somebody wearing a mask. You are pretending to be something, somebody you are not. Hypocrisy. And all about, it's all about pride. You want to impress people. Say, so get rid of that. Envy. Envy is an amazing sin that very few people confess. Why? Remember the disciples? They were envious of each other. They want to sit on the right or on the left of Jesus. There are many Christians today who are envious because of how others are treated. Envy is a dangerous sin. It leads to other sin. Like Cain. Cain murdered his brother, Abel. Why? He was envious. Be careful. Peter is saying to be holy, to be transformed, you get rid of all of these so-called respectable sins that people cannot see. And notice it says, and all slander. Do you know that many Christians are guilty of slander? You say negative things about other people. Sometimes, we fail to guard our tongue. And holiness is practical. To be transformed is practical. Putting aside all, all, putting aside. The word picture here is clothing. You put aside smelly clothing, dirty clothing. You put them all aside. And Peter is saying, to be transformed, you put them all aside. How can you be transformed? Notice. Like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the world. Like newborn babies. He's now comparing being born again to a physical birth. You see, a baby will grow. How will a baby grow? A baby, because of its nature, the life of the baby will become hungry. It will want to drink milk. Like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the world, baby will have appetite, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. Look at the analogy. This is so important. You must understand. When you become a child of God, when you are born again, it is inevitable that you grow. It is inevitable that you will live a transformed life. Why? Because nature will dictate your appetite. Nature will dictate your behavior. Life will dictate growth. What do I mean? If a baby does not hunger for milk, there are only the following possible reasons. The baby is sick. It has lost its appetite. There are some Christians today who are sick. You have lost your appetite for the Word of God. But the healthy baby will want to drink milk. A healthy Christian will have hunger for God's Word. You will delight to study God's Word. But if you are spiritually sick, you will not have appetite. But worst of all, a baby that has no appetite 
You know what's the possible reason? If a baby is dead, if there's no life, no life, no appetite. My concern is there will be some Christians who never had any appetite for God's word. Can I tell you why? Is it possible you have religion, but you don't have the life of Christ? You were never really born again. The life of Christ is not in us. You don't have the Spirit of God. There's no appetite for God's Word. You never had this appetite. May I suggest something? It's never too late. In a short while, I want to pray for you so that you will come face to face with the living God and ask Him to be your Lord and Savior. As you examine yourself, are you a healthy Christian? Or perhaps something's wrong. When a baby is sick, there's to be reasons. When a Christian is sick, perhaps you have a virus. The virus is called sin. You need to deal with it. I don't know what it is. First Peter says, get rid all of these sins. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. Get rid of them. I don't know what is in your heart. But you need to deal with it. Or there may be some of you here, in all honesty, you can say, Peter, I have never been born again. I don't have a new life. I'm not even a spiritual baby. I need to be born again. I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. If that's your desire, please pray with me. Lord Jesus, I realize I really don't have your life. I don't have hunger for your word. I don't have desire to be transformed. Today, Lord Jesus, I humble myself, knowing that you're the judge of the living and the dead, knowing that you will come again. So, Lord Jesus, I invite you today. I invite Jesus, I invite you, Jesus, to come into my life. Be my Lord, be my Savior. I accept your gift of forgiveness. I accept your promise of eternal life. Change my heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have been blessed by the Lord and you want to know more, kindly click on the space below. We'll be happy to chat with you. We will have people praying for you. I have good news for you. Our Sunday message is going to be condensed from a full version to a compressed version. The compressed version will only be 30 minutes, but the full version is usually longer. And I pray you will have the wisdom to choose which version to send to your friends. In a short while, we will have fast track and we will have discussion questions. And don't forget to join our Welcome Center. Click on the space provided below. God bless you.